Good morning to each of you. I apologize that you might have heard my singing just now over the, over the microphone. I can't, can't help but sing when I hear a, uh, a wonderful hymn, and I had flipped my microphone on in preparation to walk to the pulpit. <laughs> Will you open the Word of God this morning to Psalm 4? Psalm 4 and verse 8 will be our text this morning. And thank you again for having my, my family and myself. It is our, uh, our pleasure to be here. Psalm 4 and verse 8 reads this way. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Our Lord is the giver of many things. Life, health, blessings, cursings, salvation, the sentence of damnation, which I, I, I have worded that way because he is not the one who damns. He provides that sentence. We damn ourselves. When we fell in Adam, we were lost at that point. When we, when we continue to stray in this life, we just continue and further that damnation. The Lord renders the sentence. Romans 9, you, you'll read, fitted the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. But it's, it could also be rendered in middle voice that fit themselves for destruction. It's both. The Lord renders the sentence. We fit ourselves. We as in mankind, uh, if we're not saved by the grace of God, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we fit ourselves by going astray, by not having anything to do with the Lord God, walking our own way. This, this is how the Lord provides a sentence of damnation. He gives all things. In this text before us, we'll see how David acknowledges that the Lord is the reason for his rest. The Lord is the giver of rest, which is the title for this morning's message, the giver of rest. <clears throat> Let us note how he is the giver of sleep, the giver of sleep. David here will not only sleep, but he will sleep peacefully because the Lord has given it. We must have safety to sleep. If we do not have safety, the body will not, will not go to sleep. It is the Lord that provides that very, safety, that very safety, and it is that cause that causes us to, it is that that causes us to be able to fall asleep. Come to Psalm 76. We'll get a few verses and a, and a couple illustrations, but it is the Lord that causes a deep sleep. Psalm 76 and verse 6. <clears throat> At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. Now, this would be figurative language for death, that they're stopped in their tracks, they're dead. But if, if the figurative had not the literal to refer to, then the figurative wouldn't make much sense. Because it is also at his hand, at his rebuke, at his, at his saying so, that all are cast into a, into a, into a deep Sleep. Psalm 127. We've noted this text in a, in a previous message for a different reason. But let us, let us note it again. Psalm 127 and verse 2 reads this way. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. If we note verse 1 also for, for context's sake, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh 
but in vain. So it's talking about the Lord as the keeper of the city. He is the one who builds the house. He is the one who keeps the city. If he does not choose to build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Whatever they build will be torn down if the Lord's not in it. The watchman, the one who's looking over, the, the, the one who's standing at his post, watching over the walls, seeing if an enemy is coming. He's awake in the middle of the night in vain if the Lord's not going to keep the city. Same way with us trying to go to sleep. If the Lord doesn't give his beloved sleep, we will, we will uh, have what doctors call insomnia. The Lord is the giver of sleep. If he doesn't give it, it is vain for us to rise up early to sit up late. Insomnia, they can't, this person can't go to sleep. To eat the bread of sorrows, oh, it's a sorrowful thing. And I've experienced insomnia a couple of times. It's not fun. It's not fun. So he giveth his beloved sleep. He is in charge. He is, he is the one in charge of that very thing. Come to Genesis. We'll see a couple instances from the book of Genesis that he is the one who, who gives sleep. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now this would be what you could call the first surgery. This is, this is where, Eve, where Eve was made from the, flesh of, from the side of Adam. And so Eve was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. But Adam went into a deep sleep because the Lord God caused it to fall upon him. Genesis 15. We'll see the same thing happens to Abram. Genesis 15 and 22. Uh, excuse me. Uh, 22 does, uh, does not exist. 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. A great sleep came from the Lord upon Abram. And this was before his name was changed to Abraham. Now come to 1 Samuel, where we'll see that deep sleep the Lord doesn't cause just upon his people, just upon, uh, just upon his, his, uh, his sons, his daughters. 1 Samuel 15, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 26, and verse 12. This is as David, is fle- David has fled from Saul and has now come into the midst of the camp. Verse 26, or excuse me, verse 12 of chapter 26. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster, and they gat, gat them away, and no man saw it nor knew it, neither awakened, neither awaked, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. They had come into the midst of a camp of Saul and his army that were hunting David. David wanted to show that he was not uh, going to cause any harm. To Saul. So he wanted to show that that was the case. So he took his spear and his, and his cruise of water, his, we might call it a can, we would probably call it a canteen, his water, his, his, his cruise of water and took them away. And just to, and then would eventually call out and say, Saul, look for these things. I have taken them to show you that I will do you, that I'm not here to do you any harm. Saul was David's enemy without cause. Saul, Saul hated David for no reason. David did not do anything to cause David to hate him, as you see elsewhere in the scriptures. But 
Here a deep sleep had fallen from the Lord upon Saul and all his army. There, there may be some of you here today that have been in the military. Do you know what happens when a watchman falls asleep at his post? That is, that is a, uh, uh, the, the punishment is death. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing when a watchman falls asleep. No doubt he would have been fighting that sleep, but, but the Lord will give his sleep when he is pleased to give it. Do you know that we're given a couple of, a couple of very practical things about sleep in the scriptures? Come to Ecclesiastes. We've already noted one of, one of the verses that is a very practical uh, verse for us, but Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 12 is another. <clears throat> the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer or permit him to sleep. So the man who has labored, the man who has worked worked diligently, worked very hard, his sleep is sweet. You ever worked really hard one day and you lay down in bed that night and, oh, it feels so nice. Even, even if you lay on the ground, it feels nice. It is, uh, the, the Lord has laid that out in his word for a reason. For us to be, to indicate to us, to be a productive people, that our sleep is sweet. You could even go to bed hungry if you've labored hard that day and your, your sleep will still be sweet. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer, will not permit him to sleep. They have, the rich don't tend to work as, as the laboring man works. And they have so many things that keep them up. So many things that have their, have their mind occupied that it will not allow him to sleep. The other text that we've already noted, Psalm 127 verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. So not only we're told here in Ecclesiastes to be a productive people, and that will cause our sleep to be sweet. In Psalm 127 verse 2, we're, there we're encouraged to call upon the Lord, because he is the one in charge of our rest. He is the one in charge of when we fall asleep. Call upon him if you're suffering from insomnia. The flesh doesn't want to do that. I'll, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you fair warning. The flesh wants to do things on his own. The old man wants to, wants to go his own way. He's got his own dreams. He, he wants to do things by himself and for himself. He does not want to admit that he needs help. But sleep is one of those things, no matter how hard you grit your teeth, no matter how hard you try, no matter how many sheep you count, we cannot make ourselves fall asleep. Well, I can't bench 500 pounds either, but if you grit your teeth hard enough, you can. It might take some effort, but if you grit your teeth hard enough, you can. You can't make yourself fall asleep. It is, that is one thing that the Lord has built into his design to cause us to see our need for him. We need sleep. We need him. We need him. But not only is he in charge of our sleep, he's also in charge of our rest. Our rest. We have a rest from work. Do you know that he's given us a rest from work? Come to Exodus. Exodus chapter 31. <clears throat> Here is where he first describes that to the people of Israel. Exodus 31 and verse 14. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. 
Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. So he gives a law to the, to the people of the Mosaic Covenant that they may not work on the seventh day, which is our Saturday. They may not work on that day because it is a holy day to the Lord. Verse 16, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Remember, this is given to the people of Israel. This is written for our learning, not written to us for, for a law. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. What is his reason for them observing this day? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So one day a week, he, for, he requires that the Israelites observe a day of rest. Now, we're not under, and never have been, under the Mosaic Covenant. But he doesn't root this in the Mosaic Covenant. This principle is found in Genesis, found in Genesis chapter 2, that in six days the Lord created, and on the seventh he rested. Now, I'm not, I'm not indicating we need to follow the Old Testament Sabbath. We'll see, we'll see in a moment what that picture. But that principle is still true, taking a day of rest from our labors. We have a day of rest. We're experiencing it today. Christians tend to observe that on the Lord's Day, where we, where we give the Lord's Day to the Lord and observe a day of rest from our labors. Now, what is the practical reason for that, because the Lord put it into creation, not just in the Mosaic Covenant. If he put it in Genesis chapter 2, us observing a day of rest, a rest from our labors, is because he has built it into his creatures, that his creatures need a day of rest from their labors. Can you work seven days? Yes. We've all done it. Should you work seven days? Can you keep up the same uh, level of high performance seven days in a row Week uh, on weeks without end. No, you cannot. He built into his creation needing a day of rest. So that is why we observe it. And there will be blessings given to the creature for following that principle, for following what it is that he, that, that he built into his creation, acknowledging that he is the one who did it. Rest and rejuvenation is the purpose for that. So we've also, but we've also been given a rest from fretting. He, is, he gives his people a rest from fretting. Come, to, come back to the Psalms. So we've seen that he is the one in charge of sleep. He has given us a rest from our, from our labors, from our work. In Psalm 37, we see that he has also given us a rest from fretting. In verse 7 of Psalm 37, <clears throat> Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And we understand how, how this applies in our day. We see many people. Lord, how long will you allow this wicked person who brings wicked thoughts, not, not, not your cell phone, that's not, that's not the device it's talking about. Device in the scriptures is talking about the thoughts, the imaginations of men. Our cell phone is a device. It was a thought and imagination of man that came up with that. So that's where how the, the definition came, came to mean that. But it's talking about 
their wicked thoughts to pass. We, we ask the Lord regularly, how long are you going to allow this man who, to bring his wicked thoughts to pass? How long? Because it's not a matter of if the Lord will, will stop it. It's a matter of when. So we, we, we're here told to rest in the Lord. Don't fret. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. We don't need to fret because he will stop them when he is pleased to do so. They're serving his purposes. No doubt the disciples wondered, Lord, when are you going to come down off that cross? But that wasn't the Lord's purpose. It was not the Lord's purpose to come down off the cross. He was, that was ex- exactly why he was sent. But it, it was confusing for the disciples. They came to understand. They came to understand why that was the case. But nevertheless, it was hard for them to understand at that moment. They were forced to wait. May we, instead of being forced, learn to wait. We, we, would, much, we would much rather learn now than have to learn the hard way. Learn now the, when, the, when the time is easier. To wait, to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and not fret, giving all, rolling all your concerns upon him because he cares for you. But come to Psalm 94 where we see this again, <clears throat> this principle. Psalm 94 and verse 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. The one whom the Lord teaches will know not to fret, will, will, will have learned by, by the Lord teaching him not to fret, because that's what he tells us time and time and time again to do. When Moses and the, and the children of Israel were on the beachhead, stuck between water and the mountains and the, and the Egyptian army, did Moses say, panic? Flee every man, every man which way he desires to go. We're, we're stuck. We're in a hard place. There's nothing we can do. Well, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Remain calm. Be calm. We sing, we sing that psalm. I think it's Psalm 4710. Be still and know that I am God. Remain calm. Rest and know that he is God. He will be exalted amongst the heathen. He will be exalted in the earth. It will happen when he is pleased for it to happen. So we rest. We rest from work. We rest from our labors. We rest from fretting. We also, the Lord also gives rest from our enemies. Come to 2 Samuel. There's many different ways that this term rest is used. Re, uh, 2 Samuel 7 and verse 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. David had been given rest from all of his enemies. Verse, drop down to verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. This is part of the Davidic covenant covenant, the unconditional covenant that the Lord made with David, that his son will not, that a son of his will not cease to sit upon the throne of Israel. Now, part of it applies to Solomon. We know that for sure. But part of it also 
cannot apply to Solomon because a son will sit uh, his son will sit upon the throne of Israel forever Solomon wouldn't live forever no man would ever live forever the Lord Jesus Christ the greater son of David would sit upon the throne of Israel forever we know that the Lord is the is the ultimate fulfillment of that Davidic covenant but here David had been given a rest from all of his enemies come just a few chapters later 2 Samuel 22 Verse 1, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. He had given David rest. And you'll see the parallel is Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a, is a parallel to 2 Samuel 22. There's a few minor translation differences, a couple, couple uh, difference in the words. But nevertheless, it is still a strong parallel. David had been given rest from all of his enemies. I want to show you a, a principle that we, can, that we can gather from this. Come to 1 Corinthians 15.47. 1 Corinthians 15.46, excuse me. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The example of that, verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. Adam was made from the ground. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Speaking of the origins of the first and the second man, the first and the second Adam, the last Adam. The, the second Adam is the Lord from heaven. That's where he originated from. That's where he came from. So which came first? Adam. Because that which is natural comes first. Then that which is spiritual. Now the Lord preceded him. The Lord was begotten of his father before creation. We've seen that in Proverbs chapter 8 and, and, other, and other passages. But in our understanding, Adam preceded the Lord Jesus Christ. So first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. We learn spiritual truths from natural truths. The Lord, we, we just examine several different ways that the Lord gives natural, earthly rest. Let us see the spiritual rest, what all of that rest typified. It typified the Lord Jesus Christ, as we'll see. Come to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. And verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, is he talking about physical? We'll see in the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. He's not talking about physical rest. He's not talking about uh, sleep at night. He is the one that gives sleep at night, but that's not what he's talking about. Your soul doesn't find physical rest. It finds spiritual rest. Come, on, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that provides that spiritual rest. And that's what he's saying. Those who labor and are heavy laden, he's not talking about manual laborers. It was taught in their day that you must be righteous. You must earn your salvation. Anybody here ever thought, I'm good enough to get into heaven? 
Anybody here? I've, before the Lord saved me, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I'll be honest. And there, there, may, there may be many others that think that as well. We, I know now that that is absolutely not the case. Evil shall not dwell with thee, Psalm 5. And a man without the righteousness of Christ is nothing but evil. He's talking about those that are seeking to impress God for their salvation. Because that's what was taught in their day. That's what the Pharisees taught. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes, oh, you have to follow. You have to do this. You have to do that. That's why when the penitent publican, when the, when the publican went into the temple and prayed, Lord, have, you must have mercy on me, this, the sinner. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to do it. He knew that he could not fulfill all that the law required. So he knew that the Lord was going to have to have mercy if there was going to be deliverance from sin, if there was going to be deliverance from that penalty. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying he that is carrying that burden, for not all men carry that burden. Many think I'm good enough. But those that carry that burden come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the giver of that rest. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We shall, we, you find rest for your souls with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews speaks about this rest very extensively. And we're going to, the book of Hebrews chapter 3, we'll begin at verse 7. We're going to go through a large swath of scripture, so please stick with me. Verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice. Citation, Psalm 95. Harden not your hearts as in the day, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Do you remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years? They tempted the Lord God. They tested him. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. That is the day of the temptation, the day of the testing of God. Oh, we don't, we don't believe. We don't believe what God says. God, I, Moses, I know God promised you that we will worship him at this mountain, at the burning bush. God told Moses, Ye and the children of, you and the children of Israel will worship me at this mountain, Mount Sinai. The Lord promised that that would happen. How many times before they got there did they say, Moses, you've led us out here to die in the wilderness. We ought to just go back so that we can have cucumbers and melons and fish and all kinds of food. We should just be buried in Egypt. How many times did that happen? They, they tested the Lord God's word. They tested his promises. How many times in the 40 years did they test him? After he fed them every day, twice, twice on Friday uh, for, for the Sabbath day, fed and watered them 40 years in the wilderness, yet they still didn't believe him. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Psalm 9, continual citation of Psalm 95. Take heed, brethren. Now, here comes the application. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, remember, The book of Hebrews, just like all the other epistles, 
written to Christians. These are Hebrew Christians that are being told, they're under persecution, being told, come back to the temple. Come back to the temple. We have a high priest. We, we can give you what you need. We have a man who can help you with your sins. I know you carry a, a deep burden for your sins. That man can help you with them. He can give you instruction. He can show you the law and what you're not supposed to do. Elsewhere in the book of Hebrews, we have a high priest who, is, who, is, uh, uh, who can help. Um, chapter 4, verse 15, but we have an high priest which cannot be touched, who can, who, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Excuse me, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be a man. He was a man. He had, he had hunger. He had thirst. He didn't suffer from the sinful desires that we have, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted just like every one of us. Now, he didn't have the internal temptation to do whatever it is that, that we're tempted to do, but he had every outward temptation that we, that we go through. And yet he didn't desire any of it. Not only did he not partake in any of it, but he didn't even desire any of it. He can help. That man... That, that earthly high priest, he cannot help. So this is the context of the book of Hebrews. So this, this exhortation given to these Hebrew Christians, don't go back. Don't be like these children of Israel in the temptation of the wilderness. Don't be like them. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So he's referring back to Psalm 95. See how it says, today, if you hear his voice? He said that the time of obedience is today, not tomorrow. Don't put it off. Today is the time to obey. Today is the time to, to obey the Lord God and to believe what he says. Lest, or to prevent any of you being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceitful. Oh, nobody will know. Nobody will even see. I'll just, I'll just do this... this what happens when just a little leaven is added to the lump? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That's, that's, what he's, that's what he's getting at. For we are made partakers of Christ. Do you know that you were made partakers of Christ? You didn't, be, you didn't make yourself a partaker of Christ. You were made a partaker of Christ. If we hold or since we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said, today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Do you know that only some provoked God, not all of them? For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Only some provoked, but that whole generation died. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? Those that didn't believe his word, those that wouldn't have any that wouldn't trust his promises, they did not enter into that rest. And to uh, so so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. He's telling Christians. Born again, children of God, don't not believe the word of God. You will not enter rest. There will be no rest from your labors. There will be no rest from trying to impress 
God for your salvation. Let us, I know we're about to go into chapter 4, but in the original text there is no chapter and verse. The context hasn't changed. We're, we're still talking about this, this rest. Let us therefore, because, of, because they did not enter in because of unbelief, let us therefore fear or revere, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Let us have God and his revere God, put him in his proper place. Remember who it is that we have to do. Because the one whom we have to do, there is no creature, there, is, there isn't any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He sees all. He knows all. Let us keep in mind who it is that, that we are dealing with, that who, who our Lord is, to prevent a promise being left us, being left, uh, being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Let us believe everything that he has said that it won't even appear that we've come short of entering in to that rest. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word of God was preached to them. How many times did Moses give them the word of God? But they didn't believe it. Faith, faith believing what God said, was not mixed with it. They heard it. But it wasn't mixed with a heart that desired to do it. We have that heart. We have that heart. Now, if you have a marginal reading, that not being mixed with faith in them that heard it could also be rendered, or because they were not united by faith. Now, that would be that would put uh, uh, the the faith as the as the root cause. Faith is many times in the scriptures put. For the Lord Jesus Christ. You see in Galatians, before faith came. Well, uh, Abraham believed God. Faith has always been, or believing what God has said has always been there. That's talking about Christ. They weren't united to Christ. They were not given to the Lord Jesus Christ in the everlasting covenant. That's why there was no faith. That's why there was no believing God. That is, uh, that is why they didn't uh, believe what it is that Moses Moses was teaching and preaching. But we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, uh, we have been given the mind of Christ. Our new man desires to believe, uh, desires and does believe all that God has promised. We still have that wretched old man that gets in the way. But nevertheless, may we believe what God has said. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. God's rest has always been finished. It's not like he's building that place of rest. That place, that place of rest has always been there. That uh, believing what God has said and trusting him for, for salvation has always been there. For he spake in a certain place, in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise or in this way. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. That place of rest was completed. There wasn't, there, God doesn't continue to create new things. His creation is finished. That place of rest is, is completed. From the beginning of the world, that place of rest has been completed. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest... 
They did not enter in because they did not believe what God had said. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying, In David. Now he's about to cite Psalm 95 again. Did you know Psalm 95 was written by David? I didn't. There's no title. But here it says, saying in David. So David is the man whom God gave these words to, to have written down. Saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Dear Christian people, do not harden your hearts against the Lord God. Believe what it is that he has said. There remaineth, therefore, a rest. I missed verse 8. If, for if Jesus, now this is both Jesus Christ, being the ruler of Israel, being the one who was over them, but also, do you know that Jesus, that's, that's Greek, transliterated from Greek. Do you know what his Hebrew name would have been transliterated from Hebrew to English. Joshua. Yehoshua is Joshua in Hebrew. Yehoshua is Jesus in Hebrew. Jesus, Joshua, is uh, from Hebrew to English. Jesus is uh, Yehoshua from Hebrew to Greek to English. Sorry, I had to get that, get that straight in my head. Yes, they, they share the same name. And one thing else to notice about that, Moses, the mediator of the law covenant, was not allowed to enter them and to bring them into the promised land. Somebody named Jesus was allowed to bring them into the promised land. That's a, that's a, no, that's a, that one's for free. Uh, if Jesus, Joshua, and Jesus Christ, Christ being the one, the, the ruler over them, but Joshua being the man that led them in to the land of promise. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? If entering into the promised land was, was the place of rest God was talking about, which by the way, Psalm 95 was written by David long after that, so it wouldn't make sense that entering into the promised land is that place of rest, because it isn't. Jesus Christ is that place of rest. There remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God, a different rest. The promised land wasn't the, wasn't the promised resting place. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. It's teaching we don't need to impress God for salvation. We cannot impress God for salvation. I have heard it from some preachers. We need to position ourselves for salvation. That's not, that is not true. Spiritual salvation does not come by the works of the creature. It comes from the work of the Savior. Savior. Let us labor, therefore, play on words, to enter into that rest. Let us work to enter into rest. He's talking about let us, let us study, let us make sure we understand what it is that God has promised. One of those promises is we don't need to work for salvation. We work because of salvation, not in order for salvation lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, not believing, bless you, not believing what it is the Lord God has promised. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is all that the Old Testament rest pictured. 
He is our place of rest. He is the one that we come to for rest. He is the one that when we are, la- when we are uh, labored and heavy laden, he is the one who will give us that rest. He is the true Sabbath. We cease from our works to impress God because of him. Because of him. He does, do you know that he doesn't give all rest? He doesn't give everyone that rest. Come to Revelation very quickly. Revelation 14 and verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. The, lake, the, the place that's hotter than hell, the lake of fire, is the place where all those that are guilty of, of uh, who are, whose name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. It is where they will go. It is where these people go. There is no rest, day or night. Their smoke of torment ascends up forever and ever. The Lord Jesus Christ does not give that rest to everyone. He is not only the one that's in charge of our sleep. He's not only the one that's in charge of uh, our rest from our labor, our rest from fretting, our rest from our enemies. He is also the one in charge of our eternal rest, of our finding rest in him. He is the one in charge of all of those things. Our God gives to all Life, breath, and all things. So it should not surprise us that he is also in charge, uh, in charge of giving rest. He is, just as with all blessings, sovereign over, over its placement. He gives rest to whom he is pleased, whom and when he is pleased. He is pleased to give, to give sleep to all in various degrees, especially those that follow the principles that we've seen, that we've seen laid out in his scriptures. He gives rest both naturally, from work, from fretting, and from, and from our enemies. But most importantly, most importantly, he gives us knowledge of the true rest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we know him, we cease from our labors, just as God ceased from his. There is no need to impress God any longer for our salvation, for the Lord purchased it all. Do you know this rest? Do you know this rest? I pray that you do. I pray that you have found rest for your soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you this day for the Lord Jesus.